it's the most important skill that human beings can have. And a lot of times people don't realize that it is actually a skill. They think it's something you're born with. You know, they think that it's like uh, some athletic gift that you get. And if you have this athletic gift, then you're a good leader. If you have this gift of leadership, then you're a good leader. Hello and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Laura Masterton and I'm the Manager of Training and Communications for the Association. This month's guest is Jocko Willink. Jocko is a retired U.S. Navy SEAL officer, co-author of the number one New York Times bestsellers, Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win, as well as The Dichotomy of Leadership. He is the host of the top-rated Jocko podcast and co-founder of Echelon Front, where he serves as chief executive officer, leadership instructor, speaker, and strategic advisor. And he will also be joining us for the FBI NAA 2022 National Annual Training Conference in Cleveland, Ohio this summer as a keynote speaker. Jocko, it's a real pleasure to have you joining me today. Hey, thanks, Laura. It's, uh, It's an honor to be here. I'd like to start by asking you, Navy SEALs aside, what was the most pivotal point in your life that made you who you are today? So when you say Navy SEALs aside, you mean things that took place outside of my career in the SEAL teams? Yes, exactly. (sighs) I don't know. You know, I've always looked at my life as not a bunch of, or not, not these singular pivot points where everything changed. For me, it was a lot of small things. Even even my time in the SEAL teams was just a series of small evolutions where I would notice something or something would happen. I would learn a lesson. And, and I feel that was really the, the way my entire life went was just a, a matter of paying attention and, and trying to make adjustments when I saw things happen in the world. Uh, I guess if I had to say something that was pivotal is the fact that I was probably not the not the fastest kid, not the strongest kid, not the smartest kid when I was growing up. And, and so I, I wasn't going to get away with anything easily. And I had to work hard for, for everything that I did. And I'd say that impacted the rest of my life. Well, and I would say your hard work has definitely paid off. Now, from your experiences as a Navy SEAL, you've gained so much knowledge, discipline, strength. And from that experience, you've written many books not only on leadership, but an adult and several fictional children's books. I wanted to address a passage in your book, Discipline Equals Freedom. There are many thoughts that you share in this book, but there was one in particular that really made me pause, and I wanted to get more insight from you on how this could relate to law enforcement and the theme for this year's conference, One Citizen, One Community, Forward Together. The thought was the darkness. If you don't mind, I'd like to read a passage from this thought so our audience can get a better understanding of what I'm referring to. The sun doesn't shine every day. The storms will come. There are times when the nights will be long and dark and you will be alone. There will be times when the darkness seems to consume everything. But don't let it consume you. Don't let it consume you. Even in the darkest of times, even in the strongest storms, even when the sun is blotted out and the world is falling apart, the darkness cannot extinguish your light, you, your will, your determination. 
how would you in recent and past darkness, if you will, suggest citizens, community, and law enforcement move forward together? So, I mean, cl- clearly there's there's a lot of things that happen in, in anyone's life that is can be considered the darkness, whether it's an illness, whether you lose someone that you care about, whether you're faced with some kind of a, a, another traumatic situation, even as simple as things that happen at work where maybe you do something that didn't go quite the way you plan and it causes a huge disruption inside of, you know, inside your workplace and now you're not comfortable at work anymore. So uh, that, that thing that I refer to as the darkness can, can really be a myriad of different things that occur to us. But I, you know, my, my point in this is that no, no matter where you are and no matter what's going on, that darkness is, is going to clear up eventually. It's going to, and, and you have to, you have to push through it. You have to fight through it. You have to look for a way out of it. You can't just sit there. You have to be proactive and trying to move forward. So for me, that's what, what this is about. And, you know, I've experienced some definite darkness in my life, especially when it comes to me losing friends, you know, being in the SEAL teams and with multiple wars going on and spending 20 years in the SEAL teams, I, I lost a, a, a lot of friends. And every one of those friends that I lost, especially people that I served with that were very close to me, clearly that's a, a very difficult thing to get through. And unfortunately, I went through it many times. And, and that's what I found. I found that even when things are, are bad, when things get dark, there's going to be light. There is gonna, you, there's going to be light. There is light. You have to work to find it. So when it comes to communities and law enforcement, I think one of the most important things to do is to talk and communicate with each other. And and this is something that I've found extremely beneficial. I found it beneficial while I was in the military. I found it beneficial once I got out of the military, actually opening up and having conversations with your friends, with your teammates, with the people that you know, with the people that you meet, explaining to them what you've been through, trying to understand what their perspective is in these situations. I think that when I talk about having conversations with other people, it's not just talking yourself, but also listening, listening to what other people have to say, listening to what their perspective is. So I think that is the best way, I think, to get through troubled times and through dark times is actually to talk and also, equally important, also to listen to what other people have to say. I agree with that 100%. Um also, like the Navy SEALs, the best of the best, the members of the National Academy Associates make up the highest 1% of all senior level law enforcement in the world. What would you tell them are the most important principles and tenets of being a good leader? For me, the most important thing about being a good leader is remaining humble. And humility is is a it just, to me, it's the most important quality. And I, and I learned that in the SEAL teams, the, the SEALs that I worked for that were the best leaders were the SEALs that were the most humble leaders, the SEALs that listened, the SEALs that treated everyone with respect, the SEALs that didn't use their rank and their authority as a weapon, but instead treated everyone like people. So for me, the most important 
characteristic for a leader or for a person to have is humility. And that applies in every aspect of life. And it goes back to what we were just talking about. One of those, one of those qualities that humility brings you is the ability to listen to what other people have to say and understand what their perspective is. We, we go through life, of course, we have our own perspective. We look out of our own eyes all the time. We're stuck in our own head all the time. We, we clearly are, are burdened really with only seeing our perspective. And it takes a humble person to try and open your mind, listen to what other people have to say, hear what their perspective is, and then try and incorporate their perspective into your understanding of, of the situation and really of the world. So for me, most important tenet of being a good leader is to be humble. But not all leaders are humble. And I'm sure in your military career, you ran into a CO or two that lacked humility and had large egos. How did you handle that? <laughs> yes, uh, there's egos throughout the world in every single different type of team, business, company, branch of the military, law enforcement, firefighters. I mean, it's there's egos everywhere. And ego is not necessarily a horrible thing. Listen, if you have an ego, a lot of times that's what drives you to work hard, drives you want to win, drives you want to perform well. So ego is not a completely negative thing. But if we let our ego get out of control, if we let it start drive our decision-making process, it can be a problem. So first of all, when I'm dealing with someone that has a big ego, the most important part of that equation is me and my ego. So if I'm dealing with you, Laura, and I think you have a big ego. Well, why do I think that? Well, it's because you're trying to tell me what to do. And my ego thinks that I already know what to do. And I think that my plan is better than yours. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put my own ego in check. I'm going to subordinate my ego and say, well, you know, Laura's in this position. She's there for a reason. I don't maybe necessarily agree with her plan right now, but since she's in that position and since she has some experience and since I don't know everything, I'm going to ask her some questions about why she's put together a plan like that. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, hey, Laura, I, I just want to make sure I fully understand this plan that you presented. I, you know, I'm a little bit less experienced than you, and I, I just want to make sure I, I understand it so I can execute it well. Can you talk me through these two points over here? Because to me, they don't make sense. And I know that you wouldn't be presenting me a plan that didn't make sense. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to admit that you have some more experience than me. I'm going to open my mind to try and understand your plan. I'm going to ask you some earnest questions about what your plan is. And then we're going to have what I referred to earlier. Then we're going to have an actual conversation. Because if I, if I decide to deal with your ego by attacking your plan or attacking your ego and saying, you know, Laura, you think you know everything and you put this plan forward and it just doesn't make sense. Well, now you're going to get defensive. Now you're going to start to attack me and you're going to say, well, you know, Jocko, I've been doing this a lot longer than you have. You know, you, you've only been doing this for a few years. I've been doing this for 15 years. You think you're knowing what you're talking about? You don't. You need to be quiet and listen to me. So we're not making any progress. We're not improving the plan. Instead, we're just arguing, damaging our relationship, and it's not good. So if I'm going to handle someone that has an ego, I'm going to put my own ego in check. I'm going to try and understand their perspective. I'm going to ask earnest questions and I'm going to try and support what they're doing. Jocko, as I'm sure you know, being a leader, people naturally will look up to you. How would you suggest the best way for leaders to support and mentor their people? There's, a, there's an aspect of my 
career in the military that's that's very interesting and and I think it's oftentimes unrecognized and I think people if people recognize this aspect of of my service in the military and of really of anyone's service in the military and that is you get a certain amount of training and you get this official formal training you go to for me I went to boot camp and then I went to basic underwater demolition seal training the the school that you see on TV where you're carrying boats around and you're carrying logs on your head. I went to a, a communication school. I went to trauma care school. I went to urban combat school. So I went to all kinds of formal schools that were put on by the military or by contractors or by civilian schools. I mean, I went to, I went to schools to learn how to drive properly. So I've been to all kinds of schools. But what's interesting about this, despite all those schools that I've been through, the vast majority of the knowledge that I have wasn't taught to me in a formal schoolhouse. It was taught to me by my teammates, by my leaders, by my peers, by people that had a little bit more expertise in an area than I had. And I think that oftentimes we think of we think of mentorship and we think of training, we think of something formal. And to me, I think the most important, the most important amount and the most important type of training and mentorship comes in informal situations by someone in your chain of command pulling you aside. And this person could be above you, below you, or beside you in the chain of command, pulling you aside and say, Hey, talk to me about why you made that decision. Let's talk, let's see if we could, if you can help me understand why you made that decision. Here's how I would have done it. It would have gone a little bit differently. What do you think of that? And by just talking through, talking through various scenarios, talking through various situations and having an open mind when you do it, all of a sudden you start to mentor each other. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to be clear. It's, it's not just the senior leadership in the chain of command that is the one that's teaching all the time. Sometimes junior people can give good feedback to people that are senior to them and say, Hey boss. I'm not sure if you meant it this way, but it sounded like you didn't really like what we just did and you wouldn't want us to do it again, but no one's really sure. Can you clarify for us? Oh, geez, sorry. I, I thought that I thought that I was pretty clear about that. Let, let me go through it again. So just having that open communication and really having an open mind is what I, I think allows mentor mentorship and training to take place all the time, not just in formal schoolhouses, but all the time. And you can do all kinds of scenarios like this, you know, whether you're, whether you're doing some role playing where I might say, Hey, Laura, I'm going to act like I'm a, I'm a, a disagreeable person that you've just, you've just met on the street. Let's see how you deescalate it. And we work through that a couple of times and you get a little bit of training and you learn how to maybe say some things that might disarm me a little bit. At the same time, I might realize, oh, when she said that to me, it really made me feel like I should second guess what I'm doing. So that's a good thing to say. So setting up, you know, little scenarios to talk through informal situations, that's where I think that, that's a very underrated part of mentorship and training. I think it's something that all of us could do more of. So during the um, annual conference, you're going to have two different keynote sessions on Monday, August 1st. Would you like to give us a hint of what you may be sharing during either of those sessions with the attendees? 
And let's not say leadership because we know that's a given. <laughs> well, yes, that's a given. That's that's what I talk about all the time. And it's really, to me, the reason I talk about leadership all the time is because it's the most important it's the most important skill that human beings can have. And a lot of times people don't realize that it is actually a skill. They think it's something you're born with. You know, they think that it's like uh, some athletic gift that you get. And if you have this athletic gift, then you're a good leader. If you have this gift of leadership, then you're a good leader. But that's not true any more than it's true than Michael Jordan. Sure, he had some gifts as an athlete, but guess what? He worked very hard to develop his skills in playing basketball. So it's the same thing for us as leaders. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to talk about the fundamental principles of leadership that I learned on the battlefield. But, you know, I'd, I'd also like to talk about some of the, some of the aspects of, of the mentality that it takes to deescalate situations, the mentality that it takes to get through a bad situation and what to do on the other side of it and how to handle those scenarios. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that are, are very, there's a lot of commonalities between my career and the SEAL teams, the combat situations that I've been in and what law enforcement goes through all the time. There's some, there's some incredible similarities. There's also some differences and I, I I'm probably going to highlight some of those differences and, and talk about what those mean and what those mean to us as people in the field and as leaders. Well, Jocko, I really want to thank you for joining me today and sharing your time. Um, I also look forward to seeing and actually meeting you in person at the 2022 National Annual Training Conference in Cleveland, Ohio this summer. Um, I'm looking forward to it as well. I, I love, we work with law enforcement. My company, Ashland Front, works with law enforcement all over the country all the time. We appreciate law enforcement and we always look to give back and help out as much as we can. So I'm looking forward to meeting you and the rest of the team and the rest of our law enforcement officers up there as well. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. This concludes this month's episode of Leadership APB. We hope that you will join us again next month for another edition of our podcast series. Until then, please stay safe and be well. <laughs>